Good evening again. If you would grab your Bibles, turn over to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 this evening. Matthew chapter 6. And uh, verse number 5, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. He says this, Jesus speaking, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be ye not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Now, right after that, you're going to get into what is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer, but uh, he gives them a good pattern for prayer and tells them how they ought to pray. And the idea is these, these principles ought to be involved in your prayer life and how you pray and what you say with the Lord and how you treat Him uh, as you come before Him. But uh, I want to look at that last phrase there in, uh, in verse number 8. He said this, For your Father knoweth what things you have need of, before you ask him, and uh, uh, sometimes, sometimes we get up to preach and we uh, we got a lot of things on our mind and we got a lot of thoughts that we want to give and and we think will help everybody else or or whatever. And I'm just going to be honest, uh, this one's for me. So uh, if you need this, awesome. But I need this tonight, so I'm going to preach it. And uh, so praise the Lord, I'm excited uh, because the truth is. God looks at your situation and no matter what you're going through and no matter what troubles you have, no matter what problems you think have come in and no matter what may shock or surprise you, God is not surprised by it. Uh, he is not shocked by it. He is not confused. He is not overwhelmed by it. Uh, the Lord has never been surprised one time in his life. Uh, in all of eternity, God is the only being I know of that never gets surprised. Uh, you and I, you know, some people, they like surprises. I'm not a big fan of surprises. I don't like to be surprised by things. But uh, when you get surprised, oftentimes you have one of the most honest responses ever. All uh, right. Somebody scares you. Pastor Legault is my, one of my, if not my favorite person to scare. Cheryl West is a close second for me. All right. If I scare the two of them, I am excited for the day. All right. Uh, you say, why? Because they have the best reaction surprised. Uh, you jump in and, uh, you know, you go ahead and you, you, if you startle Cheryl, you will get all of Cheryl's wrath upon you. It's fantastic. Uh, if, you, if you startle Pastor, you will get the most girly scream out of the biggest man you know. Uh, and it's fantastic. It's always fun. Uh, but nobody, I don't think anybody likes to be surprised, even in a good way sometimes. You go, well, oh, that was really surprising, and that really, and you may slightly enjoy it, but deep down, you know what you think? I really don't like being surprised. I don't know of anybody who really loves to be surprised. Oh, I love surprise. No, you don't love surprises. You love what you got after you got surprised, but you didn't like what you were surprised with, all right? Nobody likes to be caught off guard and unaware. We like to be aware. 
We like to know. Why? Because the thing that surprises us oftentimes uh, puts us in a mindset of fear or of, uh, of condition where we just, we really aren't ready for it. We weren't prepared. We didn't have a plan for what was about to go down. We didn't have a plan for what was happening to us. We didn't have an idea of what was going on. And we certainly had no idea it was going to happen like that. We don't like being surprised. I don't like being surprised. Amazingly enough, God has never been surprised one time. They've never caught him. You, know, you realize the devil goes up against God, and when the devil falls, when Lucifer becomes Satan and decides he's going to rebel against God, God was not surprised that day. He wasn't surprised that Satan turned against him. He wasn't surprised that that was going to happen. He didn't look around at a world and go, oh, well, I, I guess I just don't know what to do now. Well, what, whatever am I going to do? God doesn't get surprised. And, you know, you can take great comfort in that if he's your God. You can take great comfort in the fact that God is never surprised because he already knows what you need before you ever asked him. It is, it is amazing to me that God already knows exactly what's going on in your life before it happens to you. And then he says, but don't worry, I already know it and I'm already supplying. That is incredible. And if you're saved in here tonight, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that here in a moment, but if you're saved in here tonight, you recognize the fact that God has constantly supplied your need repeatedly, even when you didn't know you needed it. He's still supplied. God is an amazing God, and He's a loving God, and He wants to supply the need, and He wants to, even when you're surprised and you're shocked at the things that are happening in your life, God was never surprised. He never has been, never will be. And he's always got a plan. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. I'm going to preach a message called God is not surprised. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank you for the night and I thank you for the goodness and the mercy that you have upon us. Lord, you are abundantly gracious. And Father, your mercies are renewed every morning and we thank you that we can walk in, walk in your ways and have the word of God right before us and we can go ahead and turn the pages and know how great of a God that we have. Or we can know personally that you have got things all under control, even when it seems out of control to us. And Lord, we do pray that you would help us tonight to see some things and be assured of some things that there is a God in heaven who has it all under control for us. Lord, I do pray you'd help us to have that confidence and that faith in you and that trust that you wonderfully will take care and supply our needs tonight. We pray that you would bless the hour. I don't know if someone here is lost. I pray that if they are, they'd come to the Savior tonight. But Father, for those of us who are saved, I believe the vast majority, if not all of us, are saved in this room. I do pray that we would remember how great of a God we have and that you're looking to meet our need even now. And Lord, once again, we pray that you would bless our night in Jesus, our Savior's name. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, so uh, go back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. There are certain situations throughout the Bible where we think about, and uh, you got to wonder, you know, was God, did God know that was coming? Uh, a world today, you know, they, uh, the idea of the world goes, well, you know, if God is so loving and if God is so amazing and if God knows everything, why doesn't he make things come out the way that he wants them to come out? Uh, why didn't God manipulate the situation? Uh, because then it's not love and it's not a choice. God gave you a free choice. And God gave mankind a free choice in Genesis chapter 2. He uh, goes ahead, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 here, but he gave them a choice in Genesis chapter 2, right? The choice was, uh, there's two trees, there's the tree of life that gives you eternal life if you eat of it, and there's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you aren't supposed to eat of it. And if you eat it, you're going to die. Thou shalt surely die. He tells them. He lays out the rules. And in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1, we know the spot. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden. God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And you know how the rest goes. Mankind has failed. Uh, mankind has fallen at this point. He has sinned against God. He has chosen to do the thing that God commanded him not to do. And from here on out, mankind is sinful. Uh, you realize God is not surprised when mankind sins. At this event right here, I mean, if it was me, I'd be sitting there thinking, well, what do you mean you got it wrong? I told you what to do. I gave you the simplest of rules. I would be amazed that they couldn't follow one simple rule. Don't eat one tree. You got all these other trees. You got one tree. Stay away from the one tree. Don't eat the one tree. Leave it alone. Mankind can't even get that one right. Perfect. Supposed to be set up in the garden. Sinless. Ready to go. And they can't even handle that. That'd surprise me if I was God. But I'm not. I'm not God. And instead, you know what God knew? God knew that was going to happen right there. God knew mankind would sin. God knew they would collapse in and they would fail him. The pinnacle of his creation is sitting right in front of him. The thing that he wanted, the object of his love and his, his design for the entirety of creation was for mankind to live here. He puts man in the garden. He does everything he needs. He's got everything that he needs. And God says, okay, here we go. Test number one. And mankind fails immediately. <laughs> You know, when you fail God, he's not surprised. When a lost world failed him, he wasn't surprised. When a lost man continues to fail and doesn't want to come to him, God's still not surprised. Look over at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. This is awesome. Verse number 18. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. He says, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without, spot, without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit on the unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. 
He looks at you, and you know what he says? He says, hey, I redeemed you. He redeemed an entire world. Anybody who wants the payment of Jesus Christ has got it accessible to them if they want it. Whosoever will, let him come. Whoever wants salvation can have salvation. Because God said, you know what I did? Before I laid the foundations of the world, I already had a lamb that was going to be slain. I already had a plan. I knew man was going to fail me. I knew man was going to sin. I knew man couldn't handle it. And I knew one thing. I had a sacrifice prepared, ready to go before anything ever happened. It may have surprised me if Adam and Eve failed, but you know what it didn't? It didn't surprise God when we failed him. It didn't surprise God that for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It didn't surprise God that there's none righteous, no, not one. It didn't surprise God that there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. It didn't surprise God that Adam and Eve failed him that day, and it didn't surprise him that you failed him. That's why he gave the lamb that was slain. That's why he gave his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to pay the debt of the sins of the whole world. That's, he already knew mankind was going to fail. And he said, don't worry, I already got a plan for that. Didn't surprise me one bit. I took care of that before I even laid the foundations. I knew what I'd do. I knew I'd send my own son to take care of all of your sins. That's amazing. The foreknowledge of God to know that we would fail him. And he still says, you know what, I love him enough. I'll make a sacrifice so I can have a relationship with my creation. He wants to save to the uttermost if anybody would come to him. He wants the relationship. You know, after you get saved, you get over to 1 John chapter 1, right? If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You say, who's that for? Saved folk. You know, He's not surprised, Christian, when you fail Him. He's not surprised when you've messed it up. He's not surprised that you didn't live up to the greatness of who he is. And you know what he says? I got a plan for you too. It's still the same one. It's the same one that, that was laid before the foundations of the world were laid. It's still the same plan. I can go ahead and forgive you over and you know, over and over again if you just keep coming. We can still work it out. We can still fix it. We can, you ever look at yourself and go... Uh, man, I'm surprised I even did that. How could I have done that? You think, boy, you ever make a mistake and go, I don't know how I could have done that. <laughs> boy, I thought I was okay. You ever thought you were okay with something and then you went back to it, failed again? And you thought, oh, and you were surprised at yourself that you were that terrible. And the Lord says, don't worry, I already knew you were that terrible. I already gave my son for that. I already had that laid out. I already, I already made it so you could fix that again. And we can try again. You know how many times we collapse and we fail him, and the Lord just says, don't worry, i got a plan to fix that too. Oftentimes people think, well, there's no hope. I've messed up too much. I've, I've done too much. I've been too terrible. And the Lord says, no, no. I laid down a foundation of the earth, and before I ever did that, I went ahead and said, hey, I'm going to send my son to pay for all of your sins. I can fix it again. That's, that's amazing. Um, I like to fix things. I'm a fixer. I like to go in, right? I, I, I love tools. I love working on things. I like fixing things up. I like doing all that, you know, except plumbing, right, Brother Bacon? Uh, me and Brother Bacon hate plumbing, but we, we get it done every once in a while, but we don't want to. And, uh, you know, you fix all these things. You know what the Lord is? He's the ultimate fixer. He looks at the problems you create, and he says, don't worry, I, I can fix that too. 
I can fix that too. If you've still got life and you've still got breath, you've still got hope. The Lord, the Lord is willing to go ahead and forgive the transgressions that you've... He's not surprised you failed. You might be surprised. Your friends might be surprised. Your family might be surprised. Everybody else might be surprised. The Lord's not surprised. You didn't shock him. He knew what you were going to do. He wished you wouldn't have done it too, but he knew you'd do it. You know what he said? I got a plan. I'll fix it. You come see me. We can fix it. Praise the Lord. He is so merciful to us. He's so merciful, even though we fail him, he still, still goes ahead and he welcomes us back. Look over at Matthew chapter 26. We won't go to all of these, you know. Um, I, could, I could belabor some things, I won't. Uh, But the Lord, he, he went through some things as a man. And as a man, notice what he says here in, in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 34. He's talking with his disciples here. He's getting ready to, he knows he's about to be offered in the time of his departure is, is coming. They're about to go ahead and take his life. They're going to arrest him. They're going to try him. and They're going to crucify him. And Peter is, you know, denying, of course. And if anybody's going to forsake, I'm not, I'm not leaving, you know. And the Lord says to him in verse 34, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. You know, God's not surprised when you get betrayed. He's not surprised when someone betrays you. Jesus Christ was about to be betrayed. He looked at Peter and said, you're going to betray me. <laughs> you're going to deny me. John chapter 13, right? He's sitting there at the table. They're having supper together. They're doing the Passover. And he says, hey, uh, one of you is going to betray me tonight. Judas, Judas is scary. You're going to go out. You're going to betray me tonight. You're going to sell me for 30 pieces of silver. He knows what's coming. He knew what was about to happen. He knows. The sad reality is, you're going to be betrayed eventually. People in this life, they're going to mess up. And sometimes it's going to be people you never thought would. You, you never thought would happen. You know, I'm, going to, I'm not going to give any names. I'm not going to do anything like that. But I know of three churches right now in our state that I'm watching fall apart. Because people inside betrayed. There was betrayals. There were people that worked against the pastor. There's people that worked against this. There's people who did this and said that and all the other things. And the places are blowing up. And you say, how do you know about it? Because I'm getting phone calls. And I'm going, not my race, brother. I'll pray. There's nothing I can do for you. You say, were you shocked? I was shocked. By every one of them, I was shocked. I wasn't shocked by one. I wasn't shocked by, I was shocked by all three. You know who wasn't surprised? The Lord wasn't. The Lord's not surprised. He's not surprised that some Christians didn't do things the right way and they went against each other and they started going and started doing those things. You say, that's terrible. That shouldn't happen. You're right. It shouldn't happen. I sat there and I was praising the Lord because guess what? That didn't happen here. And I thought, thank you, God, for being merciful to us. 
I look around at something and I'm going, Lord, why? Why, why there? And, and I'm all right with it. It's not here. But Lord, I don't know why you protect us, why you're so good to us. But I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. But I look over and friends of mine are hurting and people that I know are hurting and different problems are happening. And I look around and they're getting betrayed and they're getting stabbed in the back by people they thought were close. And you say, does that surprise you? It surprises me. But the Lord knows. The Lord knows. You say, what's he going to do about it? Well, probably what he did with Peter. Look back over at John chapter 21. Hey, Peter, you're going to deny me, just so you know. And Peter's going, no, I'm not. And he says, before the cock grows twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he does. Peter denies him. The Lord knew what was about to happen. He wasn't shocked by Peter's denial. You realize he had a plan just for Peter? John chapter 21, you know the spot. I'm not, I'm not doing anything profound right here. In verse number 15, right, Jesus shows up after the resurrection. He's here and he's got the disciples and seven of these guys are out in a boat and they went fishing because Peter wanted to go fishing because he couldn't sit and wait. And he wanted to go out and get something done. So he went out and got something done, but he got nothing done. He toiled all night and caught nothing. And then the Lord tells him, well, cast your net on the right side of the boat. And they're thinking, what kind of guy is this over there? Who's telling me what to do? Last time somebody told me to drop the nets, I dropped the net. And, well, and all of a sudden he's got a pile of fish coming up and he's thinking, oh man, and John's the one who recognizes who it is. Hey, Peter, that's the Lord. And they get dragging back in and in they come and Jesus is going ahead in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said, saith to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. And he does it the second time. He does it the third time. He goes ahead and he talks to Peter about these things. And he wants to make sure Peter understands what's going to happen. He wants Peter to understand, Hey, guess what? Uh, you want to make it right. We can fix the betrayal that you've done. You know, there's a way to fix betrayals. Say, so how do you know? Because the Lord allowed Peter to get back. Maybe you're, maybe you're the one betraying the Lord. The Lord's not surprised you betrayed him. The Lord's not surprised you did that and you messed things up. You did all the damage that you've done. You did the damage in your family. You did the damage with your friends. You did the damage with the people around you. And, and the Lord says, yeah, but I can restore some things. Now, I firmly believe in sowing and reaping, and there's some things you aren't going to fix in this life, and you'll have to wait till the next, and the trumpet will sound, and you'll have it fixed then. But you can get some things right. You can restore some things. The Lord's willing to restore Peter. He's going, hey, I know. I know. Yeah, but you just don't know what they did to me. Yeah, but... He does. He knows what they did. He knows when the people around you and the people you think are closest to you are going to betray you. And he says, don't worry, they betrayed me too. 
And it was people you'd never think would do it to you. The Lord's not surprised. He's still got that under control too. Look over at uh, Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. If you want the alliterated version, I didn't do it. God's not surprised at your own collapse, and God's not surprised at your own company, and He's not surprised at your opposing contingent. You're welcome for all the guys who like my alliterated outlines instead. Uh, Numbers chapter 13, right? The children of Israel, here they are, and they go out and they're going to spy the land and they're going to check the place out, right? They're coming in the land of Canaan and they send in the 12 spies and they're going to go and, uh, you know, check out the land. And in verse 25, after, and they returned from searching out of the land after 40 days and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh. And brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us. And surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwelt in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast. Of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come up, come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we, we were in, the, in their sight. You know, you come up to some big problems in your life. <laughs> there are giants. These guys are big. Uh, I, don't, I don't make light of what they're about to go in and face. I mean, these are giants. These are some... I mean, these are guys that are head and shoulders plus above everybody around them. Uh, they're massive men. They're mighty men. And they're obviously uh, a force to be trifled with and a group of people. But, you know, it's amazing to me. Joshua's answer is, or uh, Caleb's answer is in verse number 30, uh, that we are well able to overcome it. There's one guy right there that is standing up. And you know what his statement is? We're well able to overcome that. I mean, they're just giants. I mean, it's just, a, it's just some giants, guys. <laughs> and we look at that, we, well, I, I just, uh, overcoming the, 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 the things that I've got to face and the people I've got to face and the things we've got to deal with, I just don't know if I can overcome that. Caleb says, well, no, we're well able to overcome that because, you see, the problem we get into with our ideas are we... Our idea is, well, what I can see is what I believe. And it looks overwhelming. It looks bigger than me. It's too much. God can't do. I've got to be able to understand what He's about to do here. You know what they said? They said, uh, we look like grasshoppers. We look like grasshoppers compared to them. I think it's Isaiah. I didn't write it down. I think it's over in Isaiah where... 
the prophet says uh, that the, he, the Lord looking down upon the earth and the inhabitants are as grasshoppers. They just made those men God. They made them as great as the God that they were supposed to be following who commanded them to go in. You say, well, I just can't get a victory. It's, it's too hard. The opposition's too much. And the Lord says, but I gave you a victory. I, I told you to take it, didn't I? I told you I freed you from that. I told you that the problems are going to... You know, people get, people get this thought that, well, you know, I mean, it's the promised land. It's, it's all the things the Lord promised for me. It's abundance of life in this life. Uh, by the way, I don't think the promised land is a picture of heaven. I think it's a promised land is where God told you to be here on the earth what you're doing now, uh, but we'll get into that later, but uh, not today, but later, I'm sure, and uh, the truth, the truth is they're getting ready to go in, and you know what the Lord wants? He wants them to gain victory. He wants to give them what he promised them in this life, and they refuse to do it because they think that the opposition is too much to get the blessings that God had already told them they'd have. See, it's not a question of whether they can do it or not. It's a question of whether God will fulfill the promise he made. God knew giants were in the land. You really think that God didn't understand that, hey, the giants live there, but I'm going to... I think he purposely chose that land for the nation of Israel because it had the biggest dudes on it. (laughs) I think he looked at the earth and he went, that's the spot right there. And I'm going to take that because nobody else can take that. And so I'll overthrow them. And I'll give you crazy plans like the walls of Jericho are going to fall down. Well, except for that one spot with that scarlet line coming down. And somehow that part of the wall is just going to stay standing. So who can do things like that? God. Well, yeah, I just, I don't know how I'm going to gain a victory because the opposition is too great. Well, you asked David about Goliath. You asked Daniel about a lion's den. You go ahead and ask Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about a fiery furnace and a dictating pharaoh, or a king. You go ahead and ask Moses about how he's going to defeat Pharaoh. You go ahead and find out how the world, the flesh, and the devil are going to try to overrun you, but God has a plan for you. The problem we have is we don't like his plan. We, we look at ourselves and we go, well, I just don't think I'm good enough. And you're not. <laughs> but that's why it's Christ in you. That is why Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Then live in his faith. Trust him. That the contingent that is out there, the the adversaries that are out there, are not more or mightier than he is. He's not surprised at the battles you have to face today. He's not surprised at the army that has come. He's not surprised at the wickedness of the world today. He's not surprised how terrible it is and what weird and crazy and absolutely uh, completely ridiculous thought processes the world has that you and I have to combat and have to go, no, that's just not right. He, He understands the fight that you have. And he's not surprised by it. You may be, and I may be, amazed at what a world could think up. But he already knew. And he's given you everything you need to beat it. And you're holding it in your lap. He gave you the battle plans. He drew them up and told you exactly how it's going to go just as clearly as he told Joshua how the walls of Jericho would fall. Then all you got to do is work the plan. 
All you got to do is work the plan. He's not surprised, so follow his orders. You know, when we get surprised because we look at the adversary, we go, I don't know how I'm going to do this. You know what we get? We get fear and we get confusion and we don't know what to do and we lock up and we get swallowed. And the Lord says, I didn't, I didn't leave you as grasshoppers. God doesn't want grasshoppers. He wants men that will serve him. He doesn't want you to be a grasshopper, a little frightened grasshopper. He understands. He's got a plan for you to gain victory. It's the question if you will go ahead and take his plan or not. Look over at Mark chapter 4. Almost done. Mark chapter 4. God is not surprised. I don't like being surprised. And I don't think it's fair because the Lord surprises me, right? <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do, but he always knows what he's going to do. I don't know where victories come, and I don't know where, you know, some days you just, you go, I don't know what the Lord's trying to do. The Lord knows what he's doing. And he's always got it under control. Even when it looks like he doesn't. Mark chapter 4 and verse number 35, you find the overwhelming circumstances that these, that these men are in. And verse number 35, he says, The same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Circumstances are terrible. You know what you think? Lord, why are you sleeping on the job? You ever thought that, Lord, are you just taking a nap? Like, you totally just stopped paying attention to what's happening in my life. And the Lord says, why are you so fearful? What are you worried about? Don't you know that whenever I feel like it, I step out onto the bow of this ship, and I just say, peace be still, and everything stops? Whenever I want the storm done, the storm's done, guys. Whenever I want to shut it down, I just shut it down. That's the Lord's look. The Lord goes, what, are you amazed at the fact that there's a storm? You'll have trouble in this life. Troubles will come. Man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upward. <laughs> trouble comes. Circumstances are terrible. Some weeks are worse than others. The circumstances and the problems and the troubles will not stop just because you got saved. We understand we're going to have troubles. <laughs> and the Lord says, yeah, but I always control the storm. Jesus is so amazing that not only will he sleep through a storm, you get two chapters later in chapter 6, verse 46, all the way down to the end, I think it is. Uh, he goes out walking on the storm just because he feels like it. I'm curious, like, I don't know, if, I don't, I'm strange, I get it, okay? Um, you know that. 
You know, is Jesus just walking on this calm piece of water like every step he takes, it's just calm right around him? Or is he like walking up and down the hills like he's just taking the long route? I, don't, I, don't, I just think about these weird things. So, um, you know, and out here he is and he's walking down and he's going through. Is he, you know, his, how's, but either way, he's walking out there and their ship's getting tossed around and they're thinking they're all going to die. And then they see the spirit out there on the water and they're like, oh, Lord, is that you? Well, how would you bid me to come out onto the water? By the way, that's really a dumb reply from Peter. Like, if that's some weird, unclean spirit that wants Peter dead, don't you think he'd be like, yeah, get out of the boat, Peter. (laughs) Sure, I'm the Lord. He's going to lie to him. I mean, honestly. Uh, Anyways, but here he goes, right? He steps out of the boat, and he's ready, and the Lord's holding him up. It doesn't matter if there's a storm or not. When the Lord asks, it doesn't matter if there's a storm. The storm really doesn't make any difference to him. He can sleep through the storm. He can walk through the storm. He can do whatever he wants to in the storm. You and I may not see well, but he does. He's not surprised how much rain's coming down. He's not surprised how, much, how bad the wind has gotten. He's not surprised if it's negative 20 million degrees like it was yesterday. He's not surprised. Doesn't bother him a bit. So then why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? There's the problem. Say, well, God's not surprised, but I am. Then you know what you trust in? You trust that he's not surprised. You you trust that he has it all fixed, whether you have it all fixed or not. Our troubles are that we just want to fix it ourselves. Reliance upon God is not what you and I like to do. We like to be in control of our own situations and our own circumstances. And the Lord says, yeah, but when you're overcome and you're surprised, you're really going to have to trust that I'm in control, that I'll take care of my children, and that I can fix it, and that I have a way because I already know. The Lord, the Lord already knows. Job makes the statement in chapter 23, Behold, I go forward, but he's not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps, his way have I kept, and not declined, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. But he is of one mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth, for he performeth the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Job says, yeah, but I know he's got it. He knows where I am. He knows the way that I'm taking. He knows the storm that I'm walking into. He knows the troubles that I'm going through. He knows whatever giant I'm about to face. He knows that somebody's going to betray me. He knows that I just am going to fail him because I'm going to collapse because I'm a sinner. He knows what I do. He knows my failings. He knows my shortcomings. He knows the times when I'll doubt him. He knows all those things. And you know what he still says? Just trust me. Job says he knows the way that I take, and when I'm tried, I'll come forth as gold. But on top of that, you know what I'll do? I won't go back from the commandment that he gave me. 
He told me what to do and I'll just do that. You've heard it here plenty of times. Don't doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. Say why? Because you'll get surprised in the dark. And the Lord says, but everything with me is light. I know what's happening. I know what's happening. You don't have to doubt. You just keep doing the commandment that I gave you. Your orders haven't changed. You just keep walking forward. You just keep, you stay right where you're supposed to stay and hold the course that I'd put you on because daylight will come. Daylight will come. You'll step out the other side of that storm and you'll find out that he was with you all the way. You'll come through the other side of the betrayal and you'll be all set because he was right there through the storms, through the trials, through the trials. He'll get you all the way through even when you failed him. He'll go ahead and pick you back up and say, don't worry, we, we can try again. We can do it again. Let's try again. He can take you from whatever feeling you have and pull you right through and go ahead and make sure that you get there safe and sound. Because he's not surprised. He's not surprised. So you can still trust him. Let's go ahead and stand. I am glad that God is not surprised, even if I am. That's a great comfort. That ought to be a great comfort. Because you and I, we have a very small view of what could be happening. And God looks over the entire expanse of time and says, don't worry, I've got it all. I've got everything under control. All you've got to do is trust me. If you're in here tonight, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. He came up with a perfect plan to make it so you could have your sins forgiven forever. I don't want to be remiss in not letting you know that you can come to the Savior tonight. You can trust Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't. The plan was Jesus Christ would give his life a ransom for many and pay the debt of your sins forever to give you the free gift of eternal life. You can come and we can open up a Bible. We'll give you all the verses. We'll answer whatever questions you have gladly and let you know God's plan was Jesus Christ to die for your sins so you didn't have to spend eternity in a lake of fire. Maybe tonight you're in here, you're saved, you're going through some things and the Lord just said, hey, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. You can trust me. Looking onto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, just look up at me. I've got it. I've got it all under control. Maybe you just need to cast some cares upon him and let him know, hey, Lord, I don't know what you're doing here, but I know you've got me. Let him know you trust him. Let him know your confidence is in him. Father, I do pray that you'd bless the night. I thank you so much that you're good and your mercy and your Father, you're just always right there when we need you. You're such an amazing God to us. And I pray, Lord, that you would work in hearts tonight. We love you. We pray you'd come back in Jesus' name. Amen.